Today's episode is sponsored by Cultured Expressions. Cultured Expressions offers a unique mix of African prints, batiks, mudcloth, pre-cut beads, kits, and more for sewing, quilting, crafts, and decorating. Visit culturedexpressions.com, your African fabric, lifestyle, and DIY destination. And use the code ABBY, that's A-B-B-Y, to save 20% through January 15th, 2019. Thank you so much, Cultured Expressions. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 135 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. As we wind up 2018, I'm taking a minute to look back on the podcast this year. We've had so many interviews with guests I truly admire. Some pillars of the quilting industry have been on the show this year, including Jean Wells, who's the founder of the Sisters Outdoor Quilt Show, and Sue Spargo, who is world-renowned for her wool applique designs. This year, I also talked to Aaron Hoffman and Haley Hoffman Chisholm from Hoffman California Fabrics, and Julie Rome and Ursula Morgan, founder and CEO of Creative Bug, as well as Matt Reese, the second-generation owner of the Road to California Quilt Show, and YouTube star Melanie Hamm. Plus, there has been a whole roster of other artists and designers who have built independent creative businesses that are truly incredible and inspirational. So as we wrap up the year, I wanted to turn to you, my listeners, and hear your voices on the show. I make this show for you, and it's because of you that the show is a success. So this is our third annual community episode, and it's one of my favorite episodes of the year. A few weeks ago, I put out a call on my blog and in my newsletter asking you to record yourself, and I got so many entries. Thank you so much. Specifically, I asked if you would recommend something that you are loving right now. Those of you that listen to the show regularly know that toward the end of almost every interview, I ask my guests to recommend great stuff that they are enjoying. And I always think it would be fun to get those recommendations from my listeners too. So I'm putting them together in this community episode just for you. And to help me out today, I am joined by my longtime friend, Stacy Trock. Hi, Stacy. Hi. Stacy and I first met on Twitter many, many years ago now, and she co-hosted some of the very early episodes of the podcast with me. So I'm very excited to have you back for the community episode. Thanks for having me. And for people who don't know you very well, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and what your business is all about? Because I know it's actually changed quite a bit over the last few years. It has actually probably since we recorded this last year. So I come from a crochet and knitting heritage in in the online world. And now I do marketing consulting in the craft industry. So I, I help small businesses write their email autoresponders. I help them with branding. I help them with their Instagram feeds, um, all of these skills 
that I learned running my own business, um, I now help others do, which is way less stressful than doing it all the time yourself, FYI. Um, <laughs> so my life is now more relaxed because I help other business owners be awesome and I don't actually be my own business owner. It's kind of cool. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I know. I love it. And I love your pivot. And um, you're still in, you know, much the same space that you were in before. You've just sort of figured out a new path forward. So yeah, very cool. And um, all right, I think we're ready to dive in. And I have broken up um, the listener contributions as well as our own recommendations into three categories. So we have a category that's just books. Then we have one that's notions and tools. And then we have one that's apps and websites and podcasts. So I'll introduce each category and then we will both recommend a few things that we are loving right now. And then we're going to hear from listeners. Sound good? Awesome. Okay. So we're going to start with, I think maybe my favorite category, which is books. And um, Stacey, what are some books that you are loving right now? Oh gosh. Okay. It's so hard. I have four that have changed my life. Okay. This year. Um, I'm going to start with one tartine bread. So I have made bread for years. I took a craftsy course about making bread. I learned about the no need bread and I love making bread, but to make a really long story short, I just, it was always like pretty good, but not amazing. And if anything changed, like the humidity or, you know, my timing, I just felt like I didn't have a consistent you know, foolproof people are coming over to dinner and I'm going to make a good loaf of bread tonight. And so I, from the library, got the Tartine bread book and it had all of the components I was hoping for. So it teaches you how to use the Dutch oven to cook your bread in, which apparently is crucial for making really crusty bread at home. It uses a little bit of whole wheat flour and it's no need. And it uses a sourdough starter. So it was all these components I was looking for. And every time I make bread, it's amazing. It has changed my bread life. So now we eat bread like three days a week. So that sounds like a great recommendation. And I think we'll alternate. So I'll go next and then we'll like loop okay. back to you. So mine is sort of not as tangible, hands-on. <laughs> it's more esoteric, but I'm going to recommend The Bloomberg Way, a guide for reporters and editors. So as you may know, I do quite a bit of reporting um, for Craft Industry Alliance, sometimes for my blog as well. And in all honesty, I have no training. Training. So I, I was a history major in college. I have a master's degree in education to become a teacher. So I did not uh, learn how to become a reporter. My mom was a reporter. And I think growing up, I was always like, whatever I do, I'm not going to do that. You know, like you know, it was just sort of like an uh, opposition to her. And of course, in the end, I ended up doing exactly the same thing. So I then needed to figure out how to be a reporter, which is what I really enjoy doing. Um, one of the things I really enjoy doing besides sewing and all those other things. But um, so I've been teaching myself. And so sort of like the tartine bread, I needed to know the why. I needed to understand how everything worked, how to interview sources, attribute quotes. I mean, there's so many things. And um, even like different types of stories 
um, that are, you can do. I mean, there's so much to learn and I do a lot of business reporting. And so this book was incredibly helpful. Um, if you do any reporting um, or would like to do more, I highly recommend it. And it's very un- easily understandable for the layperson who didn't go to journalism school like me. Um, like one of the things that I learned from this book is that you should try to find a source who's an expert in the field, but is not associated with the story at hand. So if you are writing about blueprint, formerly Craftsy, for example, um, and you're interviewing a bunch of instructors and maybe you get um, a quote from blueprints, you know, the people, the leadership there about the issue as well. It would be good to also talk to a professor who studies um, video on demand subscription services at a school of communications to find out, you know, sort of in a theoretical sense, how these things work and what the latest thinking is about them. And of course, I've read lots of articles where reporters do that sort of thing, but I had never really thought about it. And now I'm like, oh, right. And so ever since I read that, I have been doing that and has made my stories a lot better um, because you're obviously getting an authoritative source who's disconnected, but knows a lot. Um, And yeah, like, okay, I can do that. (laughs) And this book is, um, the Bloomberg way is like full of tips like that, that I've put to use immediately. Um, And so I, I just think it's great and I keep it by my desk and use it all the time. Um, So highly recommend. That sounds like an amazing book because reporting no longer is people hired by newspapers, right? We, many of us who write blogs are doing some form of reporting and bringing a quality to that work uh, is really important. That's true. Absolutely. And yet many of us don't necessarily really know and I like know how. And I think a lot changed for me when I started actually making phone calls for my blog. Like I kind of remember that change when it was like, I'm just writing a blog. And then I'm like, I think I need to call somebody for this. And then it was like, wait a minute. I think that maybe I'm like reporting an article, you know? So yeah, <laughs> things kind of shifted, shifted. And then I stopped resisting that and just started embracing that. And now I'm on the phone all the time. So um, yeah, it's been good. So that's my recommendation. Okay. I'm bouncing it back to you. Okay. Uh, another book I read this year that I really, really, really loved was Deep Work. It's by Cal Newport and he's a professor. I don't even know on what. And he wrote this book like in his spare time. And the book is about setting aside time to do deep work. So work where you're not distracted, where you're actually thinking and doing good work. And it now that I say it, it sounds sort of obvious and kind of ridiculous, but we have a world of distractions and we think it's completely normal to like get a phone ding every five minutes. And I know I was brought up to think that multitasking was like wonderful. And so I'll do this and that and this. And we often rob ourselves of the ability to do really great in-depth work because we're always just kind of doing everything. So I thought it was a great read. Um, It definitely made me think more about how much time I spend on um, easily distractible sorts of tasks and sort of segment my day differently. Mm, Gosh, I love that. And I always tell my kids, be a creator, not a consumer. And then Mm -hmm. I try to tell myself that. (laughs) 
also in both of what we do, part of our job is staying informed on yes. what are the latest trends, what's going on. And so it's really hard to divide that line between, oh, I'm just looking around to stay on top of things and, oh, wait, I haven't done anything. I've just clicked on stuff. Yep. A hundred percent. Totally. Okay. My next recommendation is called Bible Nation, the United States of Hobby Lobby. Um, this was, I think, the best book that I read this year. And I read pretty slowly because I honestly, I read at night. I read books at night before I go to bed and by like the time I get in bed, I'm often quite tired. <laughs> so I only sometimes get to read like a few pages before I fall asleep. So I don't read that many books in a year, but um, this one really rises, like rises to the top. So this is a book that's about the Green family, which is the family that owns Hobby Lobby. And it's really about um, their worldview and sort of, and, you know, we all know about, you know, like just the, there's a Supreme Court case about the Green family. Um, we all know like some things about them because they are in the news about their antiquities, trying to import antiquities into the United States. And then those antiquities turned out to not be legit, like they didn't have legitimate ownership over them. And, you know, some things like that, that kind of like bubble up in the New York Times or whatever, and we get to, to hear about them. But this really goes deeply into sort of how they think about the Bible, um, how they think about, um, yeah, the Museum of the Bible, which they founded, which is now on the National Mall. Um, and uh, yeah, it's and then, you know, they they own the one of the largest craft chains in the United States. Um, and so I think they, and they fund a whole bunch of research. It's, it's fascinating and really well researched. It's written by professors and they really go deep. Um, I, it was eye opening to me and very, very well done. So I would Definitely read it, um, sort of no matter where you fall on the religious or political spectrum. I think it's super fascinating. So go take a look. Okay. So just a month or two ago, I got a spinning wheel. So, and just to address some things I read on my comments on Instagram, I did at one point say I didn't think I would ever spin. I also said that when I lived in Minnesota and I realistically could knit a couple sweaters a year and have a use for them. I now live in Southern California and it's, it's like winter and it's still like 68 degrees. So, you know, things change. Um, so now I'm looking to do crafty things that, you know, take more time. So now I'm doing some spinning. Um, so I have a Louette S10. It's double treadle Irish tension. There's so many options. I had no idea about all this stuff. So I have a wheel and, you know, when you learn a new hobby, it's so hard to orient yourself because everyone has opinions about everything and you kind of need a person to follow and just be like, yeah, yeah, I'll do what you do and I'll like get on board with what you're doing. So Jillian Moreno wrote a book called Yarnitecture, Yarnitecture. It's like architecture, but with yarn in it. Um, and so it's a book for knitters, how to spin so that the yarn comes out in a way that you as a knitter would like. Um, so this approach just made so much more sense to me. Um, 
So I didn't have to learn all kinds of things about spinning. I kind of just learned some things that I felt like learning in a way to get the stuff that I wanted. Um, so far, it's been going really well. I spun a skein of yarn and I'm knitting a shawl with it. Um, so for knitters who are thinking of spinning, I really recommend yarn texture as like the gateway because I felt really overwhelmed by a lot of the other resources out there. Yeah, I like that um, way of framing things about when you're starting a new hobby and you just need to follow someone because you don't have opinions yet, right? Like you're exactly. not informed enough to say, no, 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 the best one is I this. that's what I tell people when I teach beginning knitting or beginning crocheting, um, like I teach at um, festivals around the country, I tell them, do not go to YouTube for the first month or so, because if you just watch a video and someone is differently handed or they hold the hook different from you, you, you don't even know enough to tell whether that's just like a style difference or whether that's something that's really important you need to change. So it's important to just follow a path. And this is what we used to do. We used to apprentice or have a teacher who showed us stuff <laughs> for a little while. And now there's just information everywhere. So it's good to restrict your learning a little bit at the start. Yeah. I just got a serger this year for my birthday and oh. um, it was great. I mean, I, I enjoy learning something brand new to me as an adult, um, you know, and I know you're good at that. You like will take a woodworking class or, you know, tackle something I remember you taking a class on making bone tools or something. <laughs> I did. Well, it was actually a, uh, a use the whole animal course. Right. And so using making bone tools was one component of making of using the whole animal. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't had so much of that just for various, <laughs> various reasons in my life. Um, so getting a serger was one of the more, uh, you know, one of the bigger sort of like learn something completely new to you experiences that I've had in the last few years, because I literally never sat down in one. I'd never used one in my entire life. I mean, I knew what they did, but I'd never used one. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, I basically bought this brother serger because there was a Facebook group that had 17,000 people in it that was based on this serger. And I just felt like, okay, if there's that many people who have right. this single serger, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get enough support. But, you know, I had to sit there with like the CD and watch the video and like stop and start and stop and start and thread the serger and like learn how to use it. Um, and then I surged something and it was so exciting. <laughs> it was like the most exciting thing. So I just would say like, it's good to learn something new as a grown up. And it also really puts you in the shoes of your students if you teach your craft, because mm -hmm. the insecurity that you have, that you're doing something wrong and sort of really not knowing what's important and what's not important, mm -hmm. um, it's it's good to get back in touch with that. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay. I don't have another book to recommend because oh, I as I said, more. I, I read slowly. So I'm going <laughs> I'm bouncing it back to you one more time. Um, this book, I think actually came out a couple of years ago, so I'm not being super fresh with the, my content, but um, Sequence Knitting. So it's this book that uses just super basic stitches, the knit and the purl. And we all know there's, you know, ribbing and there's certain stitch patterns. But what the author does is just say, hey, if you repeat these stitch patterns 
in different ways, you get really interesting results. And so the book is huge. And I saw it and I was like, oh, that's cute. But then Mason Dixon Knitting put out a little pamphlet by the same author. And there's a little shawl in it, like a scarf, basically, that uses these um, techniques. And so that's what got me started. I didn't get the giant book. I got like a tiny little pamphlet to make a scarf. And so in short, like what she does is like, let's say you're doing like knit eight purl three or whatever. Usually you would start again at the start of the row, but what you can do is keep going, like pretend the rows don't exist. And that's what she calls knitting in sequence, like continuing around the corner. And you get these really interesting stitch patterns. Um, so I've really been loving the little pamphlet. It meets my knitting boxes of like, I want something that's interesting, but not boring, but I can watch TV and talk with someone. Um, the only downside that is probably solved by the real book is that in the little pamphlet, because it's so compressed, you don't see images of what each stitch pattern looks like. So I've talked to some other friends who are doing it and we both sort of are all sort of like, yeah, that one looked funny. And I kind of don't know like if it's because I messed up or if it's because it's supposed to look like that. So then there's some going on ravelry and trying to zoom in on photos. Um, and my guess is that's solved in the giant book. Um, but it was, you know, it's not often that you get like a new knitting book that changes the way you think about these really basic stitches. So it's cool. And by the way, I love Mason Dixon knitting. I think they've done yes. an amazing job. That's a site worthy. I love these little books too. That yeah. They put out these little like pamphlets that are really sweet and on theme and mm -hmm. so great. Yeah. They figured out a whole combination of e-commerce and publishing. Mm -hmm. and I know. Brilliant. And, and events too. I mean, they're doing it all. It's really Mm -hmm. worthy of envy and very nicely done. So, okay. We are going to get ready now to hear books recommended by listeners. So here we go. Hey, Abby, Jesse Anderson from needleinkandthread.com located in Beaver Creek, Ohio. I'm going to recommend this year, 50 little gifts, easy patchwork projects to give or swap. Um, a list compiled by Suzanne Woods and published by Lucky Spool Media. Um, some of your favorite designers have projects in here. Anna Graham, Jenny Baker, Abby Glassenberg. Um, actually, I have one in there myself, a tooth fairy pillow that you can give to those little kids that are starting to lose their teeth. Um, there's designers you know and love that have napkins, pen cushions, uh, gift hold card holders, uh, pieced keychains, electronic cases, bibs, fabric baskets, and inspiration for lots of unique gifts for Christmas. All kinds of fun stuff, easy to make from beginners to advanced. Look for it either on Amazon. You can also purchase it directly from Lucky Spool Media, which is probably in best case scenario because they get the, the majority of the profits instead of giving them to Amazon. So check it out. 50 Little Gifts, Easy Patchwork Projects to Give or Swap um, by Lucky Spool Media and compiled by Suzanne Woods. Uh, thank you so much, Abby, for doing this again this year. And um, good luck to the winners for the Spoonflower giveaway. Thanks, Abby. Bye. Hi, I'm Kimberly Payne from Straight Stitch Designs. I'm excited to share with you what I think is the greatest thing for creatives and creative business owners, and that is Craftcation. This conference, which is held in April in Ventura, California, is hosted by the ladies at Dear Handmade Life. 
It was sort of life-changing for my business last year. I got to spend four days with other makers and business owners, and it really elevated my business. But even if you don't have a business, this is an incredible conference to really inspire you and uh, make changes in your maker life or your business. I highly recommend it for all creatives. So if you want to find out more information about the conference, check out dearhandmadelife.com backslash craftcation dash conference. I am telling you, it's an amazing four days for you and your business if you happen to have one. I want to take a minute now to talk about our episode sponsor, Cultured Expressions. Lisa Shepard Stewart has turned her lifelong passion for sewing and African textiles into cultured expressions, promoting the creative use of authentic African fabrics. Cultured Expressions offers a carefully curated mix of African fabrics for sewing, quilting, decorating, and crafts. She created the niche brand in 2000 to promote her how-to project books, beginning with the award-winning African Accents, Fabrics and Crafts to Decorate Your Home, published in 1999. The Cultured Expressions brand steadily grew to include trunk shows and workshops, along with the merchandise. Later, Lisa developed Sojourn, travel opportunities, creating unique textile-oriented itineraries to Jamaica, Ghana, Santa Fe, Colorado, and other destinations. Upcoming sojourns include a wine lover's quilt retreat in Colorado and popular Santa Fe sojourn, both in 2019, and a fourth sojourn to Ghana in 2020. In addition to Lisa's three books, she publishes Fabrigasm, the magazine for lovers of African textiles, when time allows. This month marks the first anniversary of Cultured Expression's new studio, a perfect addition to the downtown arts district of Rahway, New Jersey. Having a retail and educational workspace brings the Cultured Expression's experience to the general public with hands-on workshops, private parties, sip and sews, and lots of inspiration. The studio also stocks fabrics by the yard and various specialty items beyond what's available online. So visit culturedexpressions.com or visit them in person in Rahway, New Jersey. Um, But if you do visit them online at culturedexpressions.com, use the code ABBY, that's A. BBY to save 20% now through January 15th, 2019. And subscribe to their newsletter online for future updates and offers. So cool, Cultured Expressions. Thank you so much, Lisa. And now back to the community episode. All right, that was awesome. Thank you so much to everyone who recommended a book or two and all of the books that Stacy and I recommended, as well as the ones that you all recommended, will be listed in the show notes at walshinaps.com. So if you want to check any of them out and you missed the title or didn't have a chance to jot it down, that's totally okay. You can click over and easily find them. So now we're going to start talking about some notions and tools. And 
as people have probably figured out, you crochet and knit. I know you do some sewing. <laughs> I mostly sew. Um, and, you know, we like to do other crafts too, embroidery and other things. But so um, let's uh, dive into the notions and tools that you are loving right now. So I'll let you go first. Okay. I'm going to start with one that's not craft related, but I think we all can identify with. So last Black Friday, I got a Surface, which is basically like a tablet. It's kind of a computer, but it's like a tablet. Um, and I just changed the whole way I work. So up until that time, I had a laptop that was huge and had all of the space on it. And I wanted to have all my files all the time. And this idea of working in the cloud or only downloading what you need was really foreign to me. Um, and when you get a little tablet, there's only so much space. So you can't just keep everything on it. So I made a really concerted effort for like two months to go through all of my files and really tell the difference between what I was keeping because it was archived and putting it on a backup hard drive and what I was actually working with right now. So I've completely changed the way that I've worked. Um, and I've started using cloud storage, um, and this is tied into a book recommendation because I already used up all my books. Um, I read Work Clean, which is about um, how chefs do mise en place and they prepare everything and keep it very organized, which allows them pr to prepare huge amounts of food very quickly during dinner service. Um, and if someone drops out, a chef, a new chef can come in and pretty easily do what's been set up. Um, and how to bring that cleanness and ease to your work life. Because a lot of us just have icons everywhere and the desktop has stuff on it and we have files everywhere. Um, so I've really enjoyed this year. Um, I know what files I have where, it's super organized, everything's super tiny and portable, um, and you can get by with a lot less um, storage than you think you need. Now, I know you are kind of averse to subscriptions. Like yeah. you're not a person who loves paying for things month after month, but right. I know for myself, <laughs> when I started using more cloud-based um, things and keeping less on my computer, then I ended up having to start paying for Dropbox, for example, because I was trying right. to skate by on the free Dropbox for a long yeah. time. And at a certain point I was like, darn, I just can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to start paying for Dropbox. And so have you had to start paying for some subscriptions for cloud storage? No, I do have the Dropbox problem just because even if I transfer, like if I record a podcast or something and need to transfer those files, it often gets bigger than my Dropbox. So I have to clear out my whole Dropbox. I use a, I have like a something or other terabyte, you know, multi-terabyte actual hard drive, like a legit stand-up one. And then I have Google Drive. Okay. And so far I haven't maxed anything out. Um, so things like photos and stuff like that, I keep on a legit hard drive. And also part of this culmination process, every month I empty all of the photos off of my phone because I take a lot and I pick out the best ones and I put them in a folder that's separate. And then at the end of the year, I print one of those Shutterfly books of my daughter. And so we have a printed like summary of the year in a cute little book, um, which is solving that problem of like the abyss 
of photos that never go anywhere or do anything. You are so good because I have three daughters and daughter one, there's tons of photos, <laughs> daughter two, it's a good amount of photos. And daughter three, she has a baby book and she has a book of her first birthday. She's seven. She's going to be the eight in like three weeks. <laughs> That's it. Like there's seven, six years of no photo. No, I mean, I have tons of photos of her. They're just, none of them are printed. Well, you can start by, we make one for each like epic vacation we go on. So we went to Buenos Aires and I came home and I just made a photo book of those photos Mm -hmm. and just stick it on the shelf. And so there's no backlog that way. You don't have to go back until from when she was two. I know. You could just be like, last week we went to DC (sighs) and here's our photo book. Okay. I'm going to get motivated. (laughs) I got to do something. So, all right. I want to recommend, I was at Quilt Market this past weekend or the weekend prior and um I met with um, Rhonda Pierce, who works with Euro Notions, and they are the American distributor of Schmetz needles for sewing machines. They're the universal needle for sewing machines. And she gave me these really great needles. They are Microtex needles, which are super duper sharp, um, but they are like the chrome version, which is even nicer. So they're like strong and sharp. Um, if you think about it that way. And so I came home, I popped them in my machine as soon as I got home and I've been sewing with them all week. And I was kind of like dubious, like how much of a difference is this really going to make? They basically look like, you know, the all purpose needle I've been using forever, but they're nice. They are so strong and so sharp. Like they break less, they go through your fabric. And I, you know, I sew dolls and toys. So I'm often sewing through four layers of fleece. Um, Like that's pretty common for me. And it's pretty thick. Um, Like I usually have to raise the presser foot like even high, you know, super raise it (laughs) to get the layers of fleece under there. Um, So that uh, gives you a sense of how much fabric I'm, I'm typically sewing through. And it just goes right through. It's super nice. So I have to say, I'm kind of sold on the the Microtex Chrome needles. They do make a difference and I recommend them. So, And those are the things worth paying extra for. It's something you use constantly that makes your life easier. Yeah. It's just going to be smoother and break less. And um, yeah, it's just like you're going to have to stop and start less often and like fix stuff on your machine, which is always such a bummer when that happens. And you're like, it's all like tangled or the needle's broken or whatever. Like that just happens less frequently, which is better for creative flow. So go get some and try it. See what you think. All right. It's your turn. Okay. So we, everyone knows I've been doing EPP English paper piecing for a while. I think I've been working on this quilt for four years. And last year you recommended some of the sewing needles, speaking of needles that are in your shop. So I got some, they're really nice. Um, now that I've been talking more to people about EPP, I realize I do something a little different than other people. So I'm doing a hexagon. It's a one and a half inch hexagon. And for papers, I use a hole punch. So it's a Fiskars, I guess it's for die cutting paper, but it's a giant hole punch in the shape of a hexagon. And from index cards, I can punch two at a time and I can get six hexagons and I just punch, 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 punch. And I leave my papers in until I'm done the whole top of the quilt. And here's why. So when I was doing samples, if I took the papers out and then I ironed it, I felt like I could see 
the seam on the inside of the hexi. And I just wanted it to be super, super crisp. And especially since I've been already working on this project for four years, there's a lot of time that can go by that, you know, it's crumpled in the corner or whatnot. So I've been leaving all of my papers in, which I can do because I'm just hole punching index cards. Um, I'm not buying like plastic templates or anything. And then I can iron the whole thing and it looks super crisp. So I have no idea how annoying it's going to be to take them all out. I think the answer is a lot, but um, that's what I've been doing. And I know that's very controversial because most people take the paper out, but I just really love the crispness. No, I leave my papers in there. Do you use a glue stick to adhere them temporarily while they're in there? I, I glue, I do a dot for a millisecond, but then I sew based, okay. but I sew based only on the internal corners. I don't go through the fabric, you know, on both sides. So I don't have to undo the basting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's not too hard. You can use a crochet hook to pull them out by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I have those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not too bad. Um, I think that's good. I I've been working for many, many months on this haptic lab, um, embroidered quilt of Boston. I live in Boston or right outside of Boston. And, um, it's a map of the entire city of Boston. And you basically attach the three layers of the quilt by embroidering all of the streets and all of the bodies of water and all the side streets, um, of the city, which if you live in Boston, that's a lot of streets. So I've done all the main streets and I've done all the bodies of water, but now I'm doing the side streets. And honestly, it's very tedious. Um, Do they have different cities? Well, yes, they do. Ooh, I, I know this. you might like this project. Yeah. Um, check it out. It's there by Haptic Labs and they send you, it's printed on like uh, an interfacing. So you have to buy your own fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the backing, I bought like, um, it almost looks like water cause you know, Boston's on the Charles and on the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So it, I bought a one that's very kind of busy because your stitches kind of show on the back. So I wanted to make sure that they would kind of get lost. Um, and then the front, I'm just doing like a white Kona. It's like a cream Kona cotton. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it was really fun to work on when I was doing like the main streets in the water. Cause it was like, boom, 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 making progress. <laughs> But the side streets, I don't know. I'm going to have to try Ooh. to come up with a way to go a little faster. And if I'm going to finish it in my lifetime. So because <laughs> I do Can you just skip it. the side streets? I know. I was. Would at, anyone know? I was at soccer practice the other day working on it. I had that exact thought. I was like, can I just like, <laughs> skip this part? All right. I wanted to recommend um, a laptop stand. So I do a lot of um, uh, conference calls where it's a video call. And for a long time, I was um, kind of doing them with my laptop on my desk. And what that ends up looking like when you see me is um, a lot of double chin action. Mm -hmm. And I was not so attractive. And then I started putting my laptop on a box. Like I would just go get a box, like a cardboard box from the garage and stick my on that. And then I was like, I got to get some sort of real solution. So I bought this. um, It's not very expensive. It's a laptop stand and it's just kind of like lifts your laptop up off of your desk and tilts it so that um, you are looking up at it. And that's a much more flattering point of view for you on video calls. 
and I leave it in my drawer so it's not out all the time because you can't really type and stuff like that once it's, it's not comfortable. Um, I mean, when I have a conference call, I pull it out of my drawer and I stick my laptop on it and then I look much more presentable. And I also keep lipstick, by the way, in my office. <laughs> I just like put on my lipstick and I, anyway, so it's my little tips for conference calls, but I, mine is made by Rain Design and it wasn't expensive. Works great. I've used it for a while now. And, and can I you, like is it. there space under it? Like, could you write and take notes kind of? Yeah, it. it's really compact. Yeah. I have like a MacBook Air and it's about the size mm-hmm. of that. So yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of more space in my desk, but I, I like to just put it away when I'm not using it. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's lightweight. So recommend that. Um, all right. We have time for you to recommend probably like one more yeah. thing. Okay. This is a cute, uh, a quick thing okay. on my Christmas list for this year is twill and print enamel pins. So I think we all have our little stash of enamel pins, but twill and print makes all these craft ones and they have these rotating ones. So like there's one that says like just one more and it can be like row or like one more coffee and it like rotates and it's like a little wheel and they have row counters, just super cute, creative crafting enamel pins. Oh, lovely. I have a collection. Do you have a collection of crafting? I do. Me too. I do. And did you, do you have like a way to display them? Did you make something? Okay. Okay. So at first they were just in a drawer and then I got a really sweet um, project bag that you could put them on, but I just felt like I was fighting it all the time. They'd get caught, they'd fall off. It was heavy. So now what I have is just a really nice bulletin board um, from the container store. You know, they make ones that are meant to be very decorative and I just put the pin in. So they're on my wall next to like my jewelry box in my bedroom. And then I save the backs Nice. A little box. And then I might wear one. I'm going to make a little pennant banner because I have a collection, but they're in my jewelry drawer, which, so they're put away basically. Mm-hmm. And I love them. You should see them. Yeah. I know. I want to pick them. And I also have my sewist pin, which is like one of my best sellers for my shop. So I make a pin and it's in a right. drawer. So oh. I'm going to, yeah, I have to redecorate in the studio a little bit and I'm going to put them out because that's mm-hmm. on my, that's on my list. Okay. Now we're going to hear some recommendations from listeners. Hi, Abby. I appreciate your podcast and the many other things that you do and you offer to us. And hi, fellow listeners. I'm Joan Olson, and I live in Northern Illinois. My website is greensheepstudio.com. I'm calling in today to recommend daylight light bulbs. In my business, I make blankets from repurposed felted wool sweaters, and I'm quite dependent on good light for seeing the fabric color accurately while I'm working on the design stage. But where I live, especially at this time of year, there's no guarantee of a ton of sunshine. And right now, it actually starts to get dark by late afternoon. So after doing some research, I bought 6,500 Kelvin light bulbs, as well as a three-bulb floor lamp. I just went to my local big box home improvement store. And that tool has made a world of difference in providing the consistent light that I need to design and to sew. So I don't really think that brand matters in this case. I'm just recommending the generic tool. But I have one caveat. I'm also careful to turn them off as evening approaches because I don't want to mess with my my sleep-wake cycle. Thank you, Abby. Hello, my name is Donna Westerkamp from Lombard, Illinois. My website is DonnaWesterkamp.com. 
I'm recommending full line stencils. You apply the chalk with your quilt pounce pad and it goes right through the stencil. It is fast and simple and an easy way to mark your quilt. I bought mine at a quilt show, but they do have a website called FullLineStencil.com. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kelly Robinson, and I am from North Texas. I'm on Instagram at Texas Farm Gal. The product that I love today is a little needle threader by Bowen Needles, B-O-H-I-N. It's a little French company, and you may have heard of their needles before, but I swear the eye of the needle gets smaller and smaller every year. So this little needle threader, you just put the eye of the needle down in the little cup, you lay your thread across, and you push a button, and voila, it's like magic, the needle is threaded. I was spending so much time trying to hold my needle up to a light and get it threaded, especially at night when I'm sewing in the evening. And this is just like magic to me, and I just love it. So check it out, and I love your podcast. Thank you. I am Leanne Nagel from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and on simplycleverdesigns.com. I'd recommend the Bobbin Buddies, which can be found on Amazon.com. They are hands down the best time-saving item I use while sewing. I never have to waste time matching my bobbins and thread since the Bobbin Buddies keep the bobbins attached to the thread. Thank you so much, everyone, for the great recommendations. As a little reward for listeners who are brave enough to record their voices and give me permission to play the recordings on the air, we are going to draw some names from everyone who contributed and give away two fantastic prizes. First up, we have an awesome gift from Spoonflower, the print-on-demand fabric company. One lucky winner will get a $35 credit to spend on Spoonflower, plus a Spoonflower sample pack with samples of all the fabrics and materials available, including the wallpaper and the gift wrap. And a copy of the Spoonflower Handbook, a DIY guide to designing fabric, wallpaper, and gift wrap with 30 plus projects, which is a beautiful book published by Abrams. So altogether, this gift is valued at $60. Okay, I've got all of the names of everyone who called in on a little slip of paper in this box. And I'm gonna close my eyes and pull one out. So the winner of the Spoonflower Prize is Donna Westerkamp. Donna, congratulations. I have the Spoonflower Handbook, and it's so good, so I'm really jealous of that prize. Our other prize is from the lovely people over at Chronicle Books, and they've published a beautiful new notebook for artists and makers this fall. It's called the Go-To Notebook with Mohawk Paper, and it was designed by creatives for creatives. The Go-To Notebook includes super fine paper, project planning and tracking pages, a pocket for storage, a silk ribbon marker, lay flat binding, and a tactile cloth case. And they come in two different colorways with either lined or dotted pages. So one lucky winner is going to receive two of these beautiful notebooks. All right, one more time. I'm putting my hand into the box. Give it a good shake. Pulling out a name. Let's see. And the winner of the Chronicle Books Prize is Trixie Simons. Trixie, congratulations. I know Trixie lives in Australia, so that's awesome. Congratulations. Congrats. That sounds like a really amazing package. And our final category is apps and websites. So it feels like there's always so many new things in this category. Oh, so many. And it's yeah. always being refreshed. So Stacy, what apps or websites are you enjoying right now? Okay. Uh, 
it's such a, okay. I, Oh, there's so many. Um, one thing that has changed in our house this year is we got an Alexa or an Amazon echo. Um, and so I can't, can't say her name too loud. Or she'll, she'll start talking at us. <laughs> so we live in a, I don't know where we live in like the, this hole where there's no radio. So we don't get radio reception. And I only got this Alexa thing because it was like on sale for $30. And I was like, well, that's a good price for something that can just be a radio, you know? So I wanted to listen to NPR and you plug it in the wall and it syncs with your Amazon account. And you say like, Hey, Alexa, play NPR and it'll do it. But then it does all this other stuff. So like, well, one huge advantage, which was the second reason I got it, was my daughter can use it without her being on my phone. So in our house, she's not allowed to touch the phones. But if we wanted to play music, I would put Pandora on my phone. And so then the phone was becoming this really interesting thing that did all these kinds of things. Or if she wanted to know something I would look on my phone and I really didn't like the phone becoming such a, a thing. Um, so now she can just go ask Alexa how to say something in Spanish or what the weather's going to be. Um, so we don't use a lot of the features, like we don't order anything from it. Um, but it's just like a great little Google radio thing that really wasn't that expensive. So mm -hmm. we're really into that. Yeah. Yeah. There was just an article in the most recent issue of The Atlantic and th about Alexa, and they describe exactly that same reasoning about families with young children and the reason why they get one so that the phone doesn't become the nexus of like engagement. Exactly. Right. Yes. That's yeah. so funny that you said that because exactly what they said. Um, and I have teenagers, so, you know, it's a whole different situation. <laughs> But, um, but we don't have one and, um, I'm a little fascinated by one. So I have to spend some time interacting with one at somebody else's house and see what I well, think. Well, the other thing we can do that we do use is you can drop in on people. So I got my mom and Alexa and you can just say like, drop in on, you know, mom or whatever. And try not to say any of these things too loud. Cause I <laughs> like call my mom. Um, and I think it can sync with your phone. So if you're, a family that Skypes often and, you know, there's all these networking things you can do too. We yeah. don't use it that often, but you know, it's cute. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. I wanted to recommend um, a new way that I am changing my link on my Instagram profile. So for a long time, I was using Linktree um, because, you know, you only get that one link on Instagram mm -hmm. and I of course would like it to link out to a bunch of different things. Um, but Linktree was getting kind of buggy and I noticed that people were using something different that I liked better, which is link in profile. I don't know if you use this, but mm -hmm. I really like it. And I noticed it first from a bunch of food bloggers, um, because it works really well for them since they are posting a picture of a recipe, mm -hmm. you know, of a dish like cookies or something like that. And when you click the link in their profile, you see that exact picture of the cookies, you know, you see a whole grid, their whole grid, um, mm -hmm. basically, and you just click the one that you wanted and it takes you right to their oh. blog posts where it shows you the recipe for the cookies. Um, and so it's really, really visible, but basically it makes your entire grid clickable. 
And it's really good for craft bloggers too, because, you know, a lot of times on Instagram, you're posting pictures of something you're making or something you've made, a tutorial, whatever, um, or your new fabric line or whatever it might be. And it would be nice if your entire Instagram grid were clickable and this makes it that way. So um, what's nice about it too, is they give you a one month free trial so you can try it out and see if you like it, um, which I did. And of course, I loved it. And now I'm paying for it. The annual fee, I think it's $29 or something like that. Oh, totally, that's not bad. Totally worth it as a professional tool, considering how dependent we all are on Instagram as a marketing tool. It also, when you start paying for it, um, I actually even think with the free trial, they give you really nice statistics. So you can see how much engagement your photo is getting um, and you know how many clicks it got, et cetera, at a glance. And it works on desktop. You can see those analytics on desktop. You can change um, things on the desktop too. And it's not just on mobile. So you can add descriptions and change the link and that kind of thing on your desktop computer. So how do you do the uploading? Like, is it so, very connected with Instagram? It is. Basically what oh, you do is nice. um, you're in your Instagram on your phone, you do the caption, upload the photo as normal, and then you can just paste a link into the caption. Obviously that link isn't going to be clickable in the caption, but that tells LinkedIn profile that there is a link there and it just automatically makes it clickable when people go to your profile link. That's Um, amazing because that's mm -hmm. what was so annoying about Linktree was that you kind of had to go to to your desktop. desktop, You put a thing in. Yeah, that's really good. This is better. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. better. It's ne- I've never had to be buggy in the couple months I've been using it. And it's pretty, it's professional. I love it. So I get it. I don't see why anyone wouldn't get it. I also just think Instagram should buy it and just <laughs> make right. it standard. It just makes Instagram better. I mean, to me. I mean, or make links clickable. Just do it. What are they just waiting for? do it for? now. I know. Okay, let's hear some app and website recommendations from listeners. Hi, my name is Kristen Esser, and my website is Simple Handmade Every Day, and I wanted to tell you about a quilting blog called Elm Street Quilts. This is from Patty Dudek, and it's full of tips and tutorials and lots of modern quilt inspiration, but what makes it unique is something that she runs once a month called One Monthly Goal, and this is a link-up post where... um, Anybody with uh, doing any kind of quilting or knitting or crochet, basically fiber and and yarn, fabric and yarn, can um, set a goal for what they want to accomplish that month and take a picture and link it up on the blog and look around at other people's link ups for inspiration. And then at the end of the month, check in with how they did, again, with a picture and a link up. And she runs prizes and it's uh, it's very cool. But what it mostly does is... um, give you that little bit of accountability to make sure that you really are moving forward on your creative projects. So um, I enjoy that. And I think that uh, it's kind of a, a fun little service that she's running for the industry. So again, Elm Street Quilts, one monthly goal. Hi, Abby. It's Mary Howard, and I'm the UK correspondent for the Craft Industry Alliance. I'm located over here in England, just outside of Manchester. Um, I've got two websites. There's the makeanddostudio.co.uk, which is where I list the different classes that I teach. And then there's maryhoward.com, which is where I list the professional services that I have. And I have two apps that I think are fab, and they save me loads of time, and I use them virtually every week. One is called Storio. And Storio, S-T-O-R-E-O, allows you to film a chunk of video, and then when you go to upload it to Stories, 
uh, on your Instagram stories, it will break them up into 15 second sessions, which is great. It means that I don't have to do it. And when it actually gets uploaded to your stories, it looks like a seamless conversation has happened when you go from one post to another. It's very difficult to explain, but if you can have a look at it, and even try it. It is amazing. I really do like it. The other one is Unfold, and it's U-N-F-O-L-D. And the idea with that is that you can upload both images and video to the app, and you can pick a theme. You can pick almost like frames that it will have around that story. And again, I really like it because there are times when if I use one of the existing frames or existing themes, it really helps one of my stories uh, come a little bit more alive. And I find at times now I can almost use it as part of my branding. So those are two apps that I like. The reason I like them is they save time. And isn't that something that we all need a little bit more of? All right. Thanks, Ab. Very much. Bye now. Hi, I'm Stephanie Woodson, and I'm from the United States. I blog about sewing and crafts at Swoodson Says. I am recommending my favorite Twitter account. It is called Women's Art One, the number one, not spelled out. And every day, multiple times a day, the account tweets out a picture of a piece of art with the creator and where they were from, sometimes the time, the year that it was created, and it is just such a treat. I've never heard of many of them. I'm not very educated in art, but I like it. I, I like seeing it. And it's just such a diverse group of mediums and time periods and countries represented. I just love it. And hopefully you will too. Hi, Abby. My name is Kat Griffith, and I'm a stuffed animal maker from North Carolina. My Instagram name is SobotCat. I'm calling in today to recommend articles of interest podcast miniseries from the folks at 99% Invisible that is all about the history of textiles and everyday clothes. Through a blend of stories and interviews, Avery Truffleman discusses a broad range of topics, whether it's the meaning behind different textile prints, the elaborate process that goes into jeans manufacturing, to in-depth looks about why kids' clothes look the way they do today, and why women's clothes lack pockets. Though I don't actually work in fashion or clothing, I found the shift in perspective fascinating as it helped me get out of my own head and get a new appreciation for the fabric I use in my day-to-day. I mean, looms influenced early computer code. How nifty is that? It just really needs to geek out about all these different things, and I wanted to share that with your community because I found it inspiring. Articles of interest can be found on 99percentvisible.org slash AOI on Apple iTunes or through a quick Google search. Um, love your podcast, and I'm happy to share. Thank you. Bye. Hi, my name is Frances O'Rourke Dow. I'm calling from Durham, North Carolina, and my website is offkilterquilt.com. I'm calling because I want to recommend my favorite new crafty podcast of 2018, which is Kristen Esser's Simple Handmade Every Day. And each episode, Kristen talks about her latest crafting projects, um, mostly quilting, but also knitting, as well as living simply and cooking from scratch. She talks about what she's reading and what she's listening to and a little bit about her family. I really appreciate that this is a podcast that sounds good, which is to say it sounds professionally produced, but it's also very personal and relaxed. Um, Listening to it is like having a good friend over for tea 
which makes sense since Kristen really loves tea. I'm especially excited about the handpiece quilt along that Kristen is doing beginning in January because I've always wanted to do a handpiece quilt and she has inspired me to give it a try. Anyway, listening to Kristen is really like spending time with a friend, so I highly recommend Simple Handmade Every Day to all crafty podcast lovers. Uh, Kristen's website is www.kristenesser.com, and that is Kristen with an I, actually with two I's, K-R-I-S-T-I-N. Okay, thanks a lot. Hi, Abby. My name is Gay Barrett from Selma, Indiana, and I want to recommend that everyone go to thestitchtvshow.com. They certainly live up to their reputation of quilting chat with friends. They have twice monthly talk shows, virtual stitch-ins, which I absolutely love, uh, and celebrity interviews, and so much more. So I find Pam and Lynn to be fun, funny, and yes, there's a difference between fun and funny, and informative. They are my virtual quilting buddies. And every time I set up my sewing machine and get out that fabric, Pam and Lynn are behind me just talking away and I love every minute of it. So please check them out at thestitchtvshow.com. I'm Kim Artucci and I live in the Virginia suburbs of Washington, D.C. I am one half of the Brimfield Girls from brimfieldawakening.com. And when I heard you mention the call for favorite things from your listeners for your community episode, I nearly burst out of my sewing room chair. And that's because I am in love with the Quilt Fiction podcast by Francis O'Rourke Dowell. It's called Friendship Album 1933, and it takes place in the fictional town of Milton Falls, Ohio, during the Depression. It's about this unexpected group of quilters who create their own quilting bee and the stories that weave their lives together, kind of like the quilts they're making for that year's 1933 World Fair, the Sears National Quilt Contest. So the author, she reads about two chapters, I'd say about 30 minutes worth of her book in each podcast that drops every Friday. And since I love hand stitching, especially with depression era feed sacks, Having this particular podcast in my ear while I sew with them, it's just something I look forward to each and every week, and I think your listeners will as well. You can get this podcast at quiltfiction.com. Thanks so much. And Abby, on a side note, I just love the work you do. Um, your journalistic approach to covering the quilt industry is just the best out there. So thank you so much for that service. And I wish you continued success with your podcast. Happy holidays. Hi, my name is Trixie Simons. I'm from Sydney, Australia. My blog is Colored Buttons and my website is So A Softy. I'd like to recommend a podcast today. I really like listening to podcasts, although I don't always get a chance to. Uh, I sometimes wake up early and decide I'm going to listen to a podcast but that doesn't always work because I fall asleep halfway and I need to listen again. The um, podcast I'm going to re recommend today is called Social Media Marketing. It's with Michael Stelsner. I find there's just a lots of um, ideas and I get a lot of inspiration from the podcast even if the topic isn't directly related to me or really good for me. I find sometimes that the speakers just say something or have an idea that sparks lots of other ideas and I find that really, really useful. And he also always starts the show with a 
new app or new online tool that they've discovered and I find it just really interesting and it sort of um, makes me aware of all the different tools and apps that are around. Thank you. Thank you so much for those great recommendations. Well, that wraps- really great ones. Yeah, they were awesome. And that wraps it up. Um, thank you to everyone who participated in this community episode of the Washing Naps podcast. And thank you so much to Chronicle Books and to Spoonflower for donating those awesome prizes. And thank you, Stacy, for hanging out with me and recommending such great stuff. Thanks for having me. And where can people connect with you online? So online, I am at stacytrock.com. So that's S-T-A-C-E-Y-T-R-O-C-K. And I'm Stacy Trock on Instagram and Stacy underscore Trock. I know, on Twitter. Lost out on that one. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been listening to the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, whilesheknaps.com, where you can sign up for my email newsletter to get the best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox each week. Today's episode was sponsored by Cultured Expressions. Visit culturedexpressions.com, your African fabric lifestyle and DIY destination. And remember to use the code ABBY, A-B-B-Y, to save 20% on fabrics, kits, and embellishments, and more through January 15th, 2019. And be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Cultured Expressions. Thank you so much, Cultured Expressions. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.